This week on Lunchbox Reaction, we present part two of our interview with Jared Cullum, author and illustrator of the graphic novel Cody. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to part two of our interview with Jared Cullum. Jared Cullum is the award-winning author and illustrator of Cody, a graphic novel published in 2020 by Top Shelf Productions. Cody tells the story of Katya, a young girl visiting her grandma in Alaska, who meets and befriends Cody, a giant Kodiak bear. This week, we talk about Jared's use of watercolors, the technical details of the book size, making mistakes while painting, how long it takes to get a book published, and many other topics. Now, on to part two. So your book was really unique from other graphic novels that we've read because it was done in watercolors. And so we were wondering what drew you to using watercolors and if you use any other medium. Sure. So kind of going back to what I was saying about that French library that I went to, I just became really interested in people who were using watercolor to color or using watercolor as texture. There's an artist I really like named Cyril Pedroza, who's like a hero of mine. And he also uses, he'll use watercolor for texture, but he also does really interesting textural marks too. And so I was always really inspired by that too. But for the comics and stuff, I've sort of, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but I've sort of pigeonholed myself in a sense that I have a sort of style and a stylistic choice of using the watercolor and and using it the way I do that people don't really ask me for anything but that. So I pretty much strictly do the watercolor for comics. You're just so good at something that people don't want anything else. <laughs> uh, outside of comics, I do a lot of oil painting and then and gouache, which is similar to oil painting, and then a lot of watercolor in general. Um, watercolor is my main thing. I do most everything in watercolor, but I also like painting in oil and other stuff. I have like a whole world of art that I that is not related to the comics because I think once you get to once you get to a point where you're working in it, something kind of changes where when you're taking a thing that you have such a a love for and such a bonded relationship with, but then you're having to do it as a job, it sort of becomes a job. And so it's nice to have a good clean fuel for the tank. And so for me, studying art history and then also painting in oils and painting what they call plein air painting, which is just the French word for outdoor painting, painting on location. I do a lot of that. So just taking my paint box outside and painting whatever I can find or see. And I like to do still life stuff around the house too, just stuff I see using oil paint or gouache because it's it's a nice sort of free, it's my own sandbox and playground or whatever. And nobody tells me, I don't have an editor that I have to submit it to, to make changes and whatever. I get to just do whatever I want. And I don't really care if it sells or does anything. It's just a place I can kind of play. And then that gives me the energy and I can glean knowledge so that when I come back in here, I can, I can draw cartoons (laughs) with (laughs) vigor. That is our editor. We can just do whatever we want and then he'll do everything. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I think that, that, that was, that was it for me. The, I really like the subtlety of watercolor. I like, and also the immediacy, I think was the other thing that drew me to watercolor. You can, if you spend a whole lot of time working in watercolor, this is part of the headache, the worst part of watercolor and, and the best part of watercolor is if you spend a whole lot of time working on a watercolor, probably won't look good. 
watercolor, you have to have like an element of spontaneity to it. There has to be what they call kind of a happy accident. And if you, the part of the skill of learning to paint watercolor is learning to let go of the control of watercolor because watercolor is best done when you're working in tandem or in partnership with it. It kind of does its own thing and you have to sort of learn how to paint everything on a bell curve, everything on a kind of like, it's not laser accurate. You're sort of shooting high and hoping it lands where you want it to and allowing it to kind of do its own thing. And that is way too chaotic for a lot of people. But for me, I enjoy that sort of, uh, it's like every single painting or panel is like a chess match. You have to sort of figure out and tangle with it. You can't really just sort of apply it or it will look un overworked or off. If that makes sense. Yeah. Wow. I have a little more of a, of a technical question. Sure. So your book is, it's probably what, maybe five inches wide, nine inches tall, something like that. Yes. And when you look at the panels, you know, some of the panels are maybe two inches by two inches, but I'm guessing you're not painting a little tiny two inch by two inch. So I'm wondering how big, Sure. how big are you actually painting these? And then, you know, I'm sure they're scaling them down to fit. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to see if I have examples just for us here. I know this doesn't help the viewers. I mean, the listeners. <laughs> we can try to explain it to them. Yeah. So just to compare it, here's a page. Oh. And then here's the book. Uh, okay. The page for people listening, the page. It's that's like three times the size. Yeah. So that's kind of an, an industry standard, so to speak, which is that you draw the thing big and then they shrink it down. And typically books will have standards or companies more specifically will have standards. So when I'm doing stuff for like RK or boom or whoever, they will usually have a page structure that they send me. Most people will just draw directly on it because they can, because you could print it out. I can't really print on watercolor board. So I have to unfortunately go through and hand draw everything with a ruler. Your standard comic book page is typically drawn on 11 by 17 paper that they have the measurement. So you have what's called the bleed area, which is where it goes off the page, so to speak. So if you're doing a picture that takes the whole page, you have to draw it past the whole page and they chop it off. And then you have the interior area and then the live area or the area where your stuff is going to happen. So you have a sort of grid for that. What you would want to do if you're wanting to get into books is maybe find a book that, that's a size you like. And then you could, you know, I think I just basically took the standard graphic novel from like first seconders, one of their books. And then you just take it and you just measure what would be larger and fit on a larger sheet or board. And so watercolor usually comes in the either you buy it really big and then you can trim it down or you can buy pads of it. And I, for Cody, I did it all 10 by 14 because at the time that was big for me. I was doing everything smaller than nine by 12 and then printing it much smaller. So at the time I thought, well, I'll go really big and go 10 by 14. Now everything I do is typically 11 by 17 or 12 by 16. And then the paintings I paint are typically like 18 by 24, much larger, but 11 by 17 is typically your kind of your standard page. I'm working on Cody too, and I'm going to have to do 10 by 14. So they both match, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> typically I draw much bigger, but you preset all of your guides and grids that would fit like scale down to the size. So the goal typically is you draw it bigger and, and some people really know what they're talking about in terms of percentage. They'll say, oh, this is, this was done at, you know, whatever, 300%, 600%, the 
print or whatever. I don't honestly care that much about that stuff. And it, all that stuff sort of bores me. So I just sort of go bigger and then hope we can, you know, as long as it fits the scalable exterior size, I will just do it on whatever board I can, I can get. But yeah, that's, that's how that usually is done. Is the art in Cody done completely traditionally or are there any digital elements in the process of creating it? The art in it is done all traditionally. So that's like if I make a mistake, I will usually have to cut out a sheet of separate paper and tape it on top and then just redraw the thing and re repaint it. And I also use opaque paint on top. I use gouache paint, which is like an opaque watercolor and I will paint on top. So like there are areas where like I had a pin explode on the right on Katya's like hair. So it's just a huge black blob, but you can't see it because I used opaque paint on top and just repainted the whole area in. You could probably do that much faster digitally, but I don't really do anything digitally except for the lettering because it's just easier. And I'm, I don't spend a ton of time thinking about the lettering. I do all the lettering separately. Some people spend a lot of time as a real beautiful craft, uh, but I've spent all my time painting. And so lettering is not my, my skill and especially hand lettering. I'm not, I just have a hard time writing. I have a hard time with it. So I can't hand letter very well. And so I, I just don't honestly try. There's like, I use a font, <laughs> like a fake handwritten font, um, that I bought. And, uh, I just sort of make the bubbles digitally and then uh, fill and then type right into the bubbles. But the rest of the book itself is all done traditionally. Some of the books I've done, like I just did a book, Wonder City, which is coming out in October. Ooh. And that one I did more digital fixing and enhancement, but that was because I was on a much, much tighter deadline. And I was working with somebody else. So there was a lot of, can we make the characters bigger here, change the camera angle kind of stuff. And that stuff, I would warp it a little bit digitally just because we were having to get it done much faster than Cody, which I was uh, less time restricted on. How many mistakes would you say you made in Cody? Oh, <laughs> oh man. Um, well, lots. I mean, like I said, like doing so uh, to, in order to, to kind of pull off decent watercolor, you it, it's sort of like the penciling phase is like lifting an airplane up off the ground and then when you get to the actual painting phase it's like sort of tipping the nose of the plane and letting go of the wheel for a little while so if we had to say how what were the mistakes i would say most of it was probably mistakes <laughs> oh and then the goal is to make a lot of mistakes and then good painting that you develop the skill of good art and good painting i feel like is not so much not making mistakes because then you just won't ever do anything. It's going ahead and making the mistakes and then learning how to pull the nose up and how to correct the mistakes, because you have to be able to integrate the mistakes into your work as part of the work, or otherwise it'll be overworked and not look good. So I would say a lot of it is mistake <laughs> or haphazard that is then co corrected in the landing or you don't know because it was a mistake and I just pasted over it and repainted <laughs> it. So, but a lot of it is mistakes. Okay. So from the time you finish the story until people could buy it in the store, how many years or months or weeks did that take? Sure. That was a, that was a fun or an interesting experience. Not to mention that the world kind of turned upside down when the book came out, but usually they give you about at least six to eight months at a short turnaround 
but usually it's like about a year. So usually you finish the book, everything is done. And then you have about a year usually, or, or somewhere around there. So like I finished the book wonder city that's coming out in October back in November. And then the letter finished it, I think in January. So now those, the people, the editors, they have their own kind of marketing people and uh, groups who come up with ways to advertise it or talk about it. And then you basically, you get ready to slowly build up to releasing the book over usually like eight months, six to six months to a year. So Cody was a year. I think I finished it basically. And then kind of had to sit on it for a year and I made like a book trailer. And when I finally got my free copies of it, I sent it around to book people who do promote books. I would have probably sent it to you guys if I knew you guys, <laughs> but I was sending it to everybody I could who would have a podcast or have a whatever, you know, that talks about books to see if they could talk about it. Cody too, you know? Yeah, you know, you'll be on the list. I will have to, I will send, I'll have to send you all a copy of that whenever I, when I get it done. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, so yeah, it takes some time for people to sort of advertise it and then get ready for the release. And then you also have to plan. Usually you would plan, which I did, unfortunately, plan a lot of travel with it. So traveling around to sign and talk about it. But Cody, unfortunately, released right when the pandemic started. So everything got canceled. But luckily, the book did well, even though that happened. <laughs> but I didn't get to travel with it. So hopefully with Cody, too, I'll get to do more of that, that part because I was so excited <laughs> I was so excited about it because it was my first book. So it was like all these years of anticipation. <laughs> and then I didn't really get to do much with it in terms. Of, it was all sitting in my, you know, in here, you know, <laughs> typing away or whatever, you know. Well, at least it was relaxing. That's true. <laughs> so I don't know if that, that maybe answers my question, but. Sure. My next question was what, what's the most, what was the most challenging part of creating Cody? Like, was it the story, meeting, sure. fleshing out characters, meeting a deadline. That is a very good question too. Honestly, I think the most difficult part for Cody was probably learning to paint because I got very excited about painting and I pitched Cody probably before I was ready to do Cody, which is, I think a, was a good, I needed the experience. And I think a lot of growth, I guess, both in life and in art is sort of writing checks that you can't really pay for yet. So <laughs> I had sort of set up this ambitious pitch that I was going to hand paint this book. And I had enough skill to hand paint the four pages that I showed, but I, I didn't really know how I was going to do the rest of the story. So as I was getting piles and piles of reje rejection letters, and um, I was just, tr just spending all hours of the day, just training and practicing and doing master co copies and going to art museums and studying painting as best I could. I feel like, and I, you know, of course you look at your stuff differently than people would, but I feel like you can, you can sort of see a definite, like over the years it took to complete Cody, I got better at drawing and painting. And so I think you can sort of, you know, if you're being judgmental, I think you could sort of see that the drawings and the painting get much better, like a hundred pages in, <laughs> which is just because I was, I was spending so much time practicing and practicing in between. So I'd paint a page and then just practice, 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 paint a page, practice, practice, practice. And now I've gotten to a point where I have so much work. I don't have as much time to do educational painting as I, as I like to, but that's all art. I think all uh, most people who do a book, I think, feel the same way. If you're looking at, of course, I look at it differently than other people do. You can see 
you know, right now, like in preparation for Cody too, I'm trying to fill sketchbooks with the characters to familiarize myself with them because I don't want there to be quite as much of an obvious steady improvement. <laughs> I'd like it to at least look, you know, mostly the same. So probably that mostly just learn learning how to draw and paint at the time. And, uh, and then, and then probably the, the story part at the time, I think, because I just didn't really have the skill. I did not regrettably, I did not grow up reading a lot of books. And so I didn't have the background in good story that I feel like would have helped me a lot. So throughout like painting Cody and through all these things, I have, I have since like tried to remedy that by just reading as many books as I can of like classical literature and everything, just absorb as many stories as I can to get better at storytelling. But at the time when I did Cody, I just hadn't read a lot of stories and really thought that much about stories. So I don't know, it would be a tough tie between those two, I think. Is there anything that surprised you about the process of making a graphic novel? That's a good question. I think the thing that surprised me in the process was the probably the, the I think a, a, like a, almost like a marathon runner. It's it's learning the skill of working through exhaustion and because you get about 100 pages in and it's a little bit tiring to draw the same characters and paint the same characters. And so there was a, a definite like a skill I had to learn, which I had to learn for all these things. And I think it helped doing a lot of short stories, getting into doing Cody, which is that even if you get tired of the project, it's still good to just finish the project. You know, even if you're getting tired of it or not happy with it, or it's not, you don't think it's going to just like succeed or whatever. It's still a, a skill in itself to complete the thing and finish the thing. Now, you know, I had a deadline in an editor, so I, I, that was something that, you know, I ended up selling that one before I had done it, which was good for me because I liked having that looming thing. I had to do it. Like I didn't have a choice to quit, but there were times where I was just like, you know, self-doubt self, you know, feeling like I wasn't good enough. I had made a mistake and then learning to move through it. I luckily have a very kind and supportive wife who was like, let's get going. Like, <laughs> like pick, pick yourself up here. You come too far to just like quit, <laughs> but, uh, feeling like you want to quit. I think because it gets hard was, uh, was a definite shock to me. Cause it's like, you know, I, especially with something that you love, like I love drawing and painting, but there would be days where it felt like I was drawing with my foot and I just was tired, exhausted of it and didn't want to do it anymore. So that, that helped a lot, especially getting into doing it professionally when it's like, you know, not, maybe it's not my characters or maybe it's not my world or, you know, but it's something that I need to get done. Okay, so since you are working on the sequel book, Cody 2, what is probably the aspect that you changed the most while making Cody 2 compared to Cody 1? I think in terms of creating the story, I feel like I have much more of an idea of what I want to do with it structurally, where I felt like compared to other stories, I felt like Cody accomplished what I wanted to accomplish and it, it did what I wanted to do. And I don't regret it, but I feel like I could do a better job now. And then also same with the painting and drawing too, since I, since I completed Cody, I've, I've painted and drawn at least 400 something, maybe more pages since. So I'm excited to take all the knowledge that I've, I've since learned painting in the field and drawing and then bring some of that knowledge to it in terms of how I can set up characters, set up camera angles, so to speak, and light scenes, all the stuff I've studied in terms of light. And then also I want there to be more of a 
story to it to to get involved with so i felt like the story of cody was more like the beginning of their relationship and like the beginning of a lot of relationships it was very fun and very sweet but there wasn't as much specific growth i felt like or there is room for more growth i feel like in the character so for her to have some sort of growth some sort of starting some way and then through the story learning and developing and growing so I feel like there could be more room for that, that I plan for the second one. And then I also am just excited to do, <laughs> which I know a lot of it is about like the backgrounds and the paintings, but I'm excited because I I plan for a lot more bigger, kind of more beautiful backgrounds in the second one than in the first one, just because I, that's always what I'm going to want to do is something, <laughs> something uh, bigger, better, you know, you know, more complicated in terms of uh, skill. The book jacket mentions that you teach art. So how is teaching art different from creating art on your own? Teaching art has been probably the best thing I've done for learning art because it was uh, something that I felt like I had to perform in a sense. I had to show up and I had to show how to do a thing. And then even more than that, when I started teaching, I, I basically got very involved in life drawing and a couple different things at the local art school back in Richmond, and then just got more and more involved in the school until I eventually started teaching. And I taught plein air painting, which is the, again, the outdoor painting, and then drawing people, people drawing, and people painting, and usually anatomy focused. My wife is a nurse. And so she was studying muscles and things at the same time I was. And so we both sort of developed uh, a deep library of knowledge about that. But having to go sit in a room full of people and explain to them what colors I'm mixing and why was such a big turning point for me because I had never really put a lot of thought to it. I had always just sort of done it. And so that was really helpful to me. You're like making stuff up in your mind while you do it. <laughs> yeah, right. And well, and just, uh, I don't know why, you know, whatever. It's like, I would pick a blue, but I don't know why. And then now I would say, well, I'm going to use cerulean blue. And someone would say, well, why? And then I have to know, okay, well, I don't know why I'd have to research a little bit. Wait, okay. So, you know, ultramarine blue has red in the DNA. Cerulean blue has green in the DNA and I want it to be more green. So that's why I'm using cerulean blue. Well, now I have, I'm starting, I started developing this library of knowledge about color and why color interacts with other color. And then when I go to paint a page or whatever, or create something from my imagination, I can go, well, I want this to be red or blue. Well, I know how to pick the right blue because I've thought about it. I'm not just picking one straight out of the box. So little things like that for everything was how I kind of developed uh, a kind of knowledge and understanding of what I was doing. Teaching has been one of the, my favorite things to do. When the pandemic started, unfortunately, I stopped teaching at the local school, though I still do workshops, but I have a, a YouTube channel that's uh, I do like a monthly painting demonstration. Usually it's not cartoon related. I've always wanted to do more cartoon related stuff, but I usually go by what people ask and people usually ask for, you know, landscapes or gouache or watercolor or whatever. So it's not really cartoon specific, but it's a channel geared around teaching people how to paint for that same reason. Cause I just, I love to talk about painting obviously. And that is a good vehicle to just sit down and do paintings and then sit and talk about color choices or shape choices or composition and all of that stuff. Our final question here. So we're not keeping you forever. Oh, sure. So what's some advice that you would give to middle schoolers who want to create their own graphic novel? 
Sure. I think it's, it's hard because there are so many walls that you're going to run into. So I think one of the biggest things would be find something that you, that you love and really just chase it wherever it takes you. So in that process, develop the skill to complete projects, you know, don't bail on projects, don't quit on things. You know, when you come up with the story, try to see the story through, develop a good library of heroes of people who you really like artistically, and then really just allow your passion for what you're doing to act as a sort of flashlight guiding you to the next part of the path. Because I know from my own experience, I never thought I would be doing what I was doing. In fact, if I told a younger version of myself, I probably would have thought it was lame that I was painting (laughs) because I just had no interest in painting when I was a kid or art in that manner. I liked cartoons and I liked a lot of the elements of what I do now. Uh, But even when I got into doing art, I didn't have any interest in painting. It was something that came out of my very passionate pursuit of drawing at the time. And then that led to a thing that led to a thing or a person that led to another person who gave me the advice that landed me where I was. So I think um, follow your, your passion in whatever, whatever that might mean. So just try different things. And if you like it, then just follow it as best you can. You know, it might be painting. It might be pastels. It might not be painting at all. So figure out the thing that you like and learn how the, the, the greatest skill you can learn, I think, is to develop a love for the process. And that's a way to say, learn how to just enjoy it and enjoy the process in a way that you can push yourself to get better technically, but not worry about things like technical skill or other people's opinions or, or really your own opinion of it. You can grow and develop things like technical skill, drawing better, All that stuff works itself out and getting upset about it or wanting to quit or being mad at yourself or whatever will not help you grow. It's a lot of quantity. So the skill that one has to really learn, which is almost something that you almost can't teach it and it's difficult to put into words, but it's, you've got to figure out how to relax into the process and enjoy drawing or creating characters or storyboards or whatever you're doing and figure out a way to do it so that you are unhurt by whatever happens outside of it. So, you know, cause you, you face, like I said, when I finished the pitch for Cody, I was very excited about it and I just got heaps of rejection. <laughs> I had, uh, I took a comic to this comic book store and, and they told me I should quit. <laughs> they, they were, they, uh, the guy held it up against the shelf and was like, look at your work versus the green lantern or whatever uh-huh. it was he had the best intentions and I don't mean to throw him under a bus, but his, his intention, I think he thought he was helping me because he was like, I know you like drawing, but like, he just thought, you know, you can never, you never know what person like me is going to be a nut about it and just draw constantly. So I think he thought he was helping me by being like, stop all your head. But I ran into that my whole life and everybody does for whatever thing they love, you know, if it's music or whatever, it's like, you're going to run into those things. So you have to learn how to love the process and protect the process from even yourself at times when you turn against yourself, because it's a very difficult thing, but it's a lifelong pursuit. There's no end to it. There's no back wall or bottom of the barrel or whatever. You could keep on growing and learning music, you know, music, all artistic sort of pursuit in any way, you know, woodcraft, 
whatever. It's all the same. It's like a whole galaxy. It's not just this little thing that you learn. It's, it's this never ending thing. You could spend lifetime after lifetime studying and developing just one part of it. And it's beautiful and it's wonderful. It's like a whole world to explore, but you, you've got to learn to breathe and love it and explore it without being hindered. So I would say that's the greatest skill is learning how to just love the process, fall in love with the process, not the product <laughs> or the end or the goal or whatever, because the goalposts always move. That's the thing too. It's like, I always wanted to do a book until I did a book. And then I was like, well, I haven't done two books, you know, <laughs> the goalposts will always move. You know, there, I will probably never have hit a point where I feel like, uh, you know, I've, I've done it. You know, there's always something else. Well, Jared, thank you so much. This has been just a joy. Yeah. Thank y'all. It's been an honor. It's been an honor to get to chat with y'all. This is fun. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. We highly, highly recommend your book. We all loved it. The art is, like I said, it's just beautiful. And we want everyone Thanks. to go out and read Cody. <laughs> so Thanks. Thanks for listening to part two of our interview with artist and author Jared Cullum. You can find out more about Jared at his website, jaredcullum.com, and you can follow him on Twitter. Look for at Jared underscore Cullum. Once again, we'd like to thank Jared for so graciously spending an evening with us talking about the process of creating his graphic novel, Cody. That's it for this episode. Take care, and we'll see you next week at the lunch table.